1: Okay, so going down the stairs uh, to walk the dog. Um, Reluctant to use the elevator today because uh, there are explosions in my area. Um, Mostly pretty rare ones, but over the last hour, maybe more frequent. And I already have noticed that the best way to know if they are really close is to... You know, observe the birds. if the birds start like panicking and flying away, that means that explosion is probably relatively close. Um, I think maybe they feel vibrations or something. Oh here there was another one. Um, I really need to have my dog pee, um, and my mom asked me to only um, wait until he pees one time and go back. Inside really quickly, but I think I might try to have him, you know, do the number two as well. Um, There is a beep of the door, and there is the car, which is alarm started because of the explosion. There are a couple of people outside, you know, with like lounge chairs a lot, because there is one bomb shelter. In our yard, uh, so they sit in outside because if there's gonna be bombing, that's um, quicker. It's gonna be quicker to get there than than just from their apartment.
2: This past weekend, a 30-year-old in Ukraine named Katya started sending our producer WhatsApp messages telling them about what she was seeing and hearing in her city of Kiev. Uh, okay, I, uh, I have not returned
1: home as quickly as my mom thought. Uh, I just wanted to describe to you um, the situation that we have. So there were Russian tanks that tried to get... <laughs> Get inside here so there is a a dig in the ground where Russian tank was driving and my dog is considering peeing on it right now. Which is frankly hilarious. Okay, the birds are flying, I think I will um I will uh try to head back in direction in general direction of my house. I'm sorry, my dog is stubborn, he doesn't want to he I think he wants to go poop. <sighs> Risking my life for you asshole. No, he's not an asshole. He's a very sweet and kind dog. Uh, okay, I think I'll i end this log here. Maybe if I think of something more that is of interest, uh, I will tell you about. Okay, so this one will be short and sweet. I just wanted to tell you, I think it's hilarious that my dog uh is afraid of blow dryer and vacuum cleaner, but he's really unimpressed by all the bombing and shootings that's going on i don't know what his deal is, I think maybe he you know knows something <laughs> i'm I'm kidding of course, but it's like he is very very calm about the okay I'm going home because this one was really loud.
2: has widened the scope of its war on Ukraine. Several cities are being under attack simultaneously.
3: President Putin is bringing
1: war back to
0: Europe. для нашего народа, должны знать, что ответ России будет незамедлительным. Hundreds
1: of thousands of people are
4: rushing to flee Ukraine, pouring into train stations, pushing against checkpoints and waiting hours.
2: We had to walk about 15 kilometers to actually get to the border. Many uh, students are being subjected to sub-zero temperatures as they're
3: stranded on the border of Ukraine. On our continent has been shattered. We now have war in Europe on a scale and of type we thought belonged to history.
2: I'm Ariel Demros, and this is Vice News Report. For the past week, producers on this show have been in touch with people in Kyiv and other cities in Ukraine. And for this episode, we've decided to collect a series of voice memos and messages from people across the country of their experiences of this war. You'll hear from them in a bit. But first, my colleague Matthew Castle is in Kyiv, where he's been covering the war since the fighting broke out last Thursday.
4: For weeks now, Western intelligence agencies have been warning that Russia might launch a full-scale war on Ukraine. But few here believed it could happen. However, this morning after around 5 o'clock... Matthew,
2: hi, how are you?
4: Hi, I'm doing well, thank you.
2: Where are you right
4: now? I am in my hotel room in Kiev, in central Kiev.
2: Wow, okay, so it's Wednesday morning in New York. What time is it in Kiev?
4: Uh... (sighs) Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's six p.m. I think it's sometime. It's sometime after like six in the evening. It's just gotten dark outside, um, and yeah.
2: What's it been like? What was today like for you?
4: <sighs> I mean, it's just so hard to wrap my head around what's been happening here. We were here for a couple weeks before Russia invaded last Thursday morning. Um, And the city was just calm and peaceful and beautiful and fun. There was all these reports obviously about the imminent Russian invasion that was going to happen. Some people were a little bit more concerned than others, but mostly like people just went about their business. And that's why it came as such a shock last Thursday morning when it actually happened. This morning after around five o'clock, Russia began airstrikes across the country, and there are air raid sirens going off right now here in the heart of Kiev.
2: Can you describe what you've seen in the past few days?
4: So we've stayed in Kiev. This is the capital, and this is undoubtedly what the Russians seem to be going for. The fighting in Kiev hasn't happened yet too much. It's been happening mostly on the outskirts. So from inside the city, we've just been hearing air raid sirens almost constantly. And there's very faint sounds of war, and that just sounds like boom, boom, every few minutes way off in the distance. But they do seem to be getting more frequent, closer to the center at times. And that's just slowly, very slowly, almost hour by hour, increasing the tension within Kiev. What has people concerned in Kiev is that there is a column of tanks, Russian tanks, that extends up to 40 miles long that seems to be moving very slowly in this direction.
0: Hundreds of Russian tanks and artillery approaching Kiev.
4: And people here in Kiev are scared that they are going to lay siege to the city and make it impossible for people to leave or enter or for goods to come in. And so, what you've seen in the past two days is this mass exodus of people. I think the UN is saying it's almost a million people that have left Ukraine at this point. And I was at the train station, the main train station here in Kiev. Just a few hours ago, and I could see thousands of desperate people all waiting to get on trains to take them to the West and out of this country.
2: When you talk about people getting injured and killed, from my perspective, it seems like it's been kind of hard to know what the numbers are. Is it any easier where you
0: are?
4: No, it's really hard to get a sense of, you know, what's happening. The Ukrainians have been putting out numbers about, for example, like Russian military vehicles or Russian soldiers they've killed or destroyed. The Russians have also been putting out their own numbers. And there is a big discrepancy between the two.
2: How exactly are people in Ukraine getting their information right now?
4: Social media, for sure. You know, Twitter, TikTok, Telegram. And that's where I think you know, you can find so much information about, about what's been happening.
0: Короче, очень много Просто колонна идет. Руки
4: If you go on TikTok and you follow the mm-hmm. Ukraine and Russia hashtags, there's so many videos coming out from both sides, actually, and especially from the Ukrainians. So you can see lots and lots of destroyed Russian hardware and it 's clear that the Russians are sustaining heavy losses. The Ukrainian soldiers told us that they belonged to the Russians who tried to come down this road this morning when they were met with a fierce resistance from the Ukrainian military here this isn 't what the Russians expected. they thought they were going to invade Ukraine and have a much easier time, and everyone is surprised by the effectiveness of the Ukrainian defenses. When the sirens started going off on the first day, you could see Ukrainian soldiers moving about the streets, and they looked terrified. And, you know, you could feel their terror, just seeing them walking around. After about two days or three days, when the Russians didn't make the kind of gains that everyone expected them to make, could see that morale had changed almost 180 degrees. They were feeling confident and still they're feeling pretty confident, but they're also worried because they know that this Russian military is very strong and they can send in more resources and reinforcements if they need to.
2: So what's it like for people who, at least for now, have decided to stay behind and, and maybe for those who you know don't have a choice but to stay behind? What's the mood like?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's some people who don't have the means to leave the country can't pay for the transportation and can't pay for accommodation in another, in another country. And then there's also people who, who want to stay here as an act of resistance. And most of those people, if they're not taking part in the armed defense of their communities, mm-hmm. which is a big thing that people are doing here, they're hiding underground, literally. They're um, in the basements of their buildings, uh, in, in, in parking garages. And Kiev happens to have some of the deepest subway stations in the entire world. And we went down into one of these subway stations, and that's where we met Christina. She's 27 years old. She works in a jewelry store. And she's taking shelter in the subway station with her mom and her younger sister. And they've been down there for for five nights, only coming up for air when when she needs, you know, some daylight and some supplies. And that's just Mm. for a few minutes a day before they go back they go back into the subway. And she doesn't know how long she's going to have to stay down there.
2: Matthew, why is she staying? Why isn't she trying to leave Ukraine?
4: Like many people, she's in disbelief that this war is happening around her. And I think, like many people, she has hope Mm. that it's not going to last for too long. What do you think is going to happen in the coming days?
3: Поливаемся, чтобы повернулись и до дома.
4: I don't know how long she's going to be able to stay down there. Are you scared by what you might find when you go above ground tomorrow?
3: Просто хочется, чтобы было тихо, спокойно. And
4: I'm worried about, you know, people like her who we've met and others. I think yeah. at some point it's just going to become unbearable, and they will feel like they'll have no choice but to leave.
3: Переработать это все-таки на будет будет с часом, ничего такого. А чтобы просто все визу было все было доброе.
2: Okay, so so those are the people who are sort of hunkering down. But what are you seeing in terms of people taking up arms? How are Ukrainians defending themselves in their country?
4: So there's a lot of Ukrainians fighting at the front lines. Mm -hmm. But away from the front lines, there are also people who are getting armed and preparing to fight inside the cities, including Kiev. So we're here outside this building in Kiev that the government is using as a distribution point to hand out weapons to, well, anyone who wants one, so that they can use them in the fight against the Russians. Why have? So you if you drive around the Kiev city, you're to going to see to dozens, to if not hundreds, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, there are so many checkpoints right now in this city, and they are being run mostly by men, um, there's also some women, by people who are very well armed, they have rocket-propelled grenade launchers. They have AK-47s. Why have you guys come here today to get weapons from the government?
1: Because we have no other options. The enemy is at our gates. They are here, and they are trying to destroy us, destroy our country, destroy our nation.
4: There's all these videos going around of how you can make a Molotov cocktail. And you'll see on the sides of all of these checkpoints, there are probably hundreds of Molotov cocktails ready to be thrown at the Russian uh, vehicles should they make it this far.
1: I want to live free. That's basically it. And I'd rather die free than live as a Russian slave. Russians have enslaved this land since, I don't know, at least 16th century. They've made their best to suppress our language, to suppress our culture, to prohibit printing books in Ukrainian. And now they want to overthrow our state. Like, what other choice do we have?
4: So people very are obvious. very much preparing for a fight, and when they tell you that you know they're ready to fight and die for the Russians, and they look at you in the eye and they say that to you, you believe them. I believe them. Ukrainians have suffered a lot of casualties so far. Aren't you afraid that you might be one of them?
1: I am scared. I am frightened, but uh, desire to fight for my
2: country overpowers that. I would say.
0: Good evening, leader of
2: How are Ukrainians reacting to President Zelensky's leadership choices?
4: I think everyone's been amazed that, you know, this guy who was a comedian and and an actor before becoming president has emerged as, you know, a steadfast president leading the country in this war against a much more powerful Russia. You know, I see Ukrainians on social media, even Ukrainians I know who weren't big fans of Zelensky before a week ago are now very supportive of their president. Um, he's going on TV constantly.
0: He's going on social media. Но если на нас будут наступать войска, если у нас попытаются отнять нашу страну, нашу свободу, наши жизни, жизни наших детей, мы будем защищаться.
4: Calling on Ukrainians to stand up and to resist. Не
0: наступать, защищаться. будете видеть лица, не
4: лица. He's saying he's going to stay in this country and fight um, as long as he has to. He's not going to flee. So he's he's definitely, for most Ukrainians I've spoken to and I've seen, he's 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 getting a lot of support.
2: Can you help me understand the military force on each side of this conflict? You know, what does Ukraine's army look like in comparison to Russia in terms of equipment, training, you know, the amount of people?
4: Well, Russia does have, I think, the world's second most powerful military. Ukraine is a far smaller country than Russia is. Its GDP is far smaller. And they've also been receiving a lot of hardware, military hardware from the U.S. and other Western allies. And that those arms, those weapons are continuing to flow into the country. You can see it on the battlefield. They do seem to be having an effect against the Russians.
2: Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to ask you about something because we've been hearing reports of Russian soldiers choosing not to fight, even maybe sabotaging their own equipment, you know, tanks. I've heard them punching through the fuel tanks of, of their tanks. Is this something that's visible to you on the ground?
4: It's not something that's visible here from Kiev, but it's something that has been visible through social media, and a lot of people are sharing those videos. I mean, these are a lot of the Russian soldiers were told that they would be going into Ukraine to, you know, liberate this territory, and, and that they were going to support their their brethren. Um, and I think what seems to be happening is that many are surprised when they come into Ukraine and find that they're not actually coming as liberators, and maybe they're seeing their, you know. Their comrades um, get killed or captured, and many seem to be giving up. But I don't want to say that that's something that's happening with most soldiers. I mean, there's this 40-mile column that seems to be headed for Kiev. Um, Those are soldiers who haven't given up, who seem to be continuing the advance.
2: So to bring this back to Kiev... We're nearing the end of the first week of this invasion and so much has changed in that week, right? From the idea that Kyiv would fall immediately to street fighting to massive bombing campaigns in civilian areas. Where is Kyiv a week into this new phase of the war?
4: Changed irreversibly, but sadly, tragically for the city, it seems to be like this week, this past week may have been, you know, very peaceful relative to what is coming next because, like I said, there is an advancing Russian force that is headed for the city and everyone expects, especially after the kinds of attacks that have been happening in eastern cities, that something similar could happen here in Kiev.
2: Obviously things are happening really fast. So how are you personally experiencing that on the ground?
4: Everything changes minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day certainly. You know, you you talk to people. um, Sometimes they're feeling better Then others, they're feeling optimistic that maybe a peace deal might be reached. Maybe it's going to end. But mostly, I would say it seems to be going in a very dark direction. And that manifests itself in the growing number of people who are leaving. I think everyone expects that this war is only going to intensify and expand because there's been no indication that the Russians are going to stop their advance, at least not yet. But everyone is hoping for it.
2: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I want you to stay safe. I really, really appreciate your expertise and the amount of context that you brought to this conflict. I feel like I understand it a lot better now.
4: Thank you so much.
2: When we come back, we'll hear from people in Ukraine who have been deeply impacted by this conflict.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: Across Ukraine, not all who are still there want to be. One of our producers, Sam Egan, has been speaking with students who are stranded in the city of Sumy in eastern Ukraine, near the Russian border. Approximately 600 Indian students are stuck in the city as fighting escalates between Russian and Ukrainian forces.
3: I don't know what is going to happen to us.
2: One of them, 21-year-old Saya Kadian, sent us this recording on Tuesday, March 1st.
3: Nobody's talking about us. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody imagined that this could happen. I'm Saya, and I'm a medical student of the third year. I'm stuck in Sumi city which is in the eastern part of the Ukraine, which is just touching the Russian border. It's almost likely only 48 kilometers away from the Russia. We all international students and thousands of number, are struck here. <laughs> Nobody over here thought that a war could happen, The Putin can take the steps. Nobody knew about it. If people would have known, all the international people would have flown away back to their countries. But it was nothing that serious. But now it's devastating. We found out through our parents because our internet was not working. Our Safari, our Google, everything was stopped for some time. Our parents called us from the India, They're telling us this has happened. We were scared we were sitting analyzing whether we should go out or not we don't know we don't knew that we were, we were able like we would be alive or not we went to the groceries to get groceries for us but everything was on shot. everywhere there were lines there was no cash there was no groceries we don't know what we could have done we do not know when there would be air sirens there would be air strikes there would be bombing anything it's like complete gunshots fighting is going on the streets our city is completely surrounded by Russian soldiers, Ukrainian military and civil people, those who are carrying armed weapons.
1: Russian military vehicles have been rolling into the town of Sumi in Ukraine. Residents in the area have no way of escaping the violence except to go into underground bunkers.
3: We're not a small number of people who are stranded here. Sumi is a small city, but it, it has a lot of international students and nobody's talking about it. There are almost 800 Indian international students studying here, and except that there would be more the international students from Nigeria, from Ghana, from Lebanon, from Egypt, from China, from so many countries, but we all are stuck here together. We are not that fluent in the language. The trains are closed, the tracks are bombed, there is no transportation. We cannot go by walk, we cannot book a cab, we cannot book a train, we cannot book a bus. I don't know what we are supposed to do. Nothing can be done. And the strangest part is like, it feels like people have forgotten us. Civilians are roaming around with uh, weapons. Russian military is there with weapons. Euro- Ukrainian military is there with weapons. They don't recognize you. They are shooting at sight. We are hearing bomb blasts. We are hearing gunshots. We are hearing everything a person should not hear. Any time there can be airstrike, any time there can be bomb blast, you don't know every second, like even now within the call, I need to go to the bunkers immediately. It feels horrible. Everyone here is scared to death. Everyone here is not in a position that they can do anything. We all are feeling helpless right now.
2: That was Saya Kadyan, seeking shelter in eastern Ukraine, just 30 miles from the Russian border.
1: OK, so I thought I would use this particular voice memo to talk a little bit about myself, I think.
2: You heard from Katya in Kyiv at the beginning of this episode. She asked us not to use her last name. She also told us that right now, she has no plans to leave. So my name is Katerina. It's a
1: Greek Orthodox name. I also have a shortened version, which I prefer to use. It's uh, Katya. Um, but anyway, I was born and raised in Kiev. It is my hometown. Yeah, I'm here in Kiev in my apartment right now uh, with my parents and my dog. We choose to stay here because my parents need as much, you know, comfort, support, that can be supplied in an apartment as possible as they are both super old my dad is 87 my mom is gonna turn 74 this year my dad has cancer uh, he's not treatable basically not treatable anymore he's also almost completely blind which complicates it and so he's basically lying in bed the entire day apart from walking along the corridor a little bit and eating and he's listening to radio i think he's in a lot of emotional pain because of his condition but he's holding up i'm very proud of him Uh, my mom has diabetes she also has trouble walking um, but yeah they are choosing to stay here because they can't just go to the bomb shelter back and forth all the time and we're just hoping for the best. And we also have a dog, uh, he's a Japanese breed. So yeah, we're. this is a short intro to my family members who I'm spending my time here with. I hope it was interesting. So I think um, even though generally I have been really calm, there is an explosion. Uh, I've been really calm during the last three days, but today I almost lost it. The the thing that got to me really hard is um, that they burned Amriya. Uh, If you're not familiar, Amriya is... uh, the biggest, the heaviest aircraft in the world. It, it was constructed during the times of Soviet Union in a key of airplane factory by Ukrainian constructors. And uh, putting aside that this is one of the main national symbols of Ukraine, this airplane is our pride and glory. It also... People generally don't know it, but it also provided a lot of logistics to NATO during the pandemic. And it was just, you know... It was just something that... uh, There are so many horrible news for the last couple of days, but for some reason... nothing has hit as hard yeah that's just been my sort of reflection of the day I know I need to get over it because I need to be strong for myself and my family and my colleagues and everybody and Ukraine in general I will try to be Less dramatic in these vlogs. I really want to to show that Ukrainians are much more resilient than most people. I think probably thought about us. Uh, when I end this here, I think. Uh, but um, you'll hear from me sooner or later again. again February 28th 2022 it's 9:51 a.m. here in Kiev uh, again i'm walking my dog now we're having a big walk for the first couple of days we just you know now i'm basically walking him around the whole block uh, i'm sorry i have to pick his poop he's pooping So I have to I have to stop a lot and stop recording and observe that he doesn't uh, pee anywhere inappropriate or eat something that he's not supposed to eat. We were told that um, saboteurs are leaving things lying around that might have poison in them, things like toys for children, toys for dogs some cell phones, I I don't know, I haven't seen any of those yet, I think. And I have seen a truck that picks up trash, which is really good, because for the last couple of days when there was shooting here and explosions, they weren't coming here, it was too dangerous. And generally everyone here, everything here was closed and some people were outside, but yesterday it was really, really empty. And I don't think I stressed it enough in my last diaries. So yeah, today, again, a very beautiful day. It's a bit frosty. It's below zero Celsius. Uh, but seeing people outside already makes you feel so much more calm and normal. I had my first hit of feeling of how surreal this is when I tried to put scotch tape on my windows. Because then when even if there is shooting and your uh, window is hit by a shockwave uh, and glasses flying everywhere, at least scotch tape prevents it from breaking you know, into small debris pieces that just... Can hit your skin and and soft tissues and they are very hard there is an explosion again i don't know for some reason this dog is not afraid of explosions when i bathe him and try to blow dry him it's like drama queen but maybe he's just very confident in our protection And maybe that is the way, maybe that's the way to be. But anyway, I'm going to end this here because um, I'm running out of things to tell you at the moment, of things to describe. I hope you have a great day. Um, Stand with Ukraine. And thank you for all of your support. It's really awesome. It's super awesome of reading how many people rally for Ukraine. It's awesome reading all the memes people made especially about our president but also just generally about ukrainian people super heartwarming it's an important part of our psychological resistance so thank you very much and um, i'll you'll hear from me later
2: We don't normally do this, but we wanted to close out this episode with something a little different. What you're about to hear is a poem by Ostap Slavinsky. He's a young poet in Lviv, and he wrote this about the Ukrainian War for Independence. The poem is titled 1918. Sometimes even an exploding bullet leaves only a tiny mark. Likewise, All I remember from that war is how one day, towards the end, a horse fell off a platform when a train took a turn. And there was no one to come back for him. No one to pick him up from below the embankment. Kids gave him grass, and he lay there with broken legs and a dull eye, charcoal black, like a sign left by the retreating night to mark a path for the night that was to come. Special thanks to Sean Stevens, Maya Rostowska, Pallavi Pundir, Deepo Falaouian, Festus Yara, Eric Heron, and Olha Varajbit. And thank you to our audio diarists, Katya in Kiev, Saya Karyan, and Patel Saharsh in Sumi. For more coverage, follow Vice World News on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, and Vice News on Vice TV. This episode was produced by our entire team. That's Sophie Kazis, Jen Kenny, Steph Brown, Ashley Cleek, Adiza Egan, Stephanie Karaoke, Sam Greenspan, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Natasha Jacobs. Our executive producer and the VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Fact checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Jim If you appreciate the work that our producers put into this episode, I would love it if you took the time to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. I feel incredibly lucky that I get to work with all of these folks, the producers, the audio engineers. Everybody worked their butts off this week. So give them a little love. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week.